Well, this series that we're in, the bold series, is just how I like my coffee. Bold, black, dark. And uh, it's been a great way for us to start off the new year, 2016, being reminded of all the reasons that we have to be bold in Jesus. On week one, we talked about bold prayers and how we're not going to back down and we're not going to give up, but we're going to be a praying church that, that expects God to do great things. And then in uh, last Sunday was bold faith and not giving up or losing hope. Uh, even when it seems like our dream is dying, how do you not give up and not lose hope? And so there's a progression in the series, an intentional progression where we start with prayer and then talking about, about faith. And then today we're going to be talking about having a bold witness to others for Christ, uh, like going down to Haiti and, and having a bold witness for Christ. And then next week, we'll wrap up the series uh, talking about what it means for us to be bold in our worship. So we're looking forward to that. We're, I was gonna say that we'll blow the roof off the place next Sunday. You already did that this morning, and uh, it'd be really cold in here if we blew the roof off, so we don't want to do that. Um, so watching the video there, um, as the offering was being taken, the Why We Give video, and you saw the baptisms. Remember the Sunday when we had the portable baptismal tank down front here? You remember that Sunday? And uh, like a whole bunch of people got baptized. It was really, really cool, really exciting. And during that service, I mentioned that we would love to, to have one of those for ourselves because I just think there's something you know, special about bringing the baptisms closer to you, not being so far away, and you can really, uh, you know, see the expressions on people's faces and uh, just be a part of it. And so we really wanted to get those, and right after the service, somebody came down to the front and wrote us a check to buy one of those portable tanks, and we, we have it. We have the tank. The tank's out back, and um, so... Uh, Next Sunday, being the Bold Worship Sunday, what I'd like for us to do is bring that tank out and fill that baby and have some baptisms. So I think that would be exciting. So there have been many of you who have been, you know, as far as baptisms go, you've kind of been like, maybe next week. And, uh, and you've been doing that for quite a while, and you're like, yeah, yeah. The water's warm, by the way, and the new, the new one has a heater, so don't be afraid of that. But, but there's been quite a few people, and... Um, I think it would be thrilling if uh, many of you took the plunge for Christ next Sunday, if you've made a decision, and maybe even today would be your day of decision, but uh, you make that decision to follow Jesus, the very next step is to be baptized and, uh, and, and to follow him into the waters of baptism. So that's going to be really exciting. So then I got thinking, hey, this is the bold series. Wouldn't it be fun if I asked people here right now, how many of you would raise your hand and say, Pastor Tim, I'm going to be baptized next Sunday. Next Sunday, I'm going in. See, there's one right there. There's one right there. There's one back there. This is cool. All right. I saw three, four right there. All right. This is cool. So make sure you fill out those those cards in front of you there and let us know and uh, we'll follow up uh, during the week and uh, so there's so, we're, so we know we're going to at least have four baptisms next Sunday so uh, so there look forward to that yeah that's that's exciting 
So the Moncton Wesleyan vision, being a bold witness for Jesus, is the vision statement of our church. We're going to put it up here on the screen for you to see. This is the vision of your church. You should be able, you should have this memorized. It's very simple. We're people inviting people to experience and follow Jesus. And that is loaded. There's lots of meaning in that vision statement for us. We, us, all y'all, myself included, we invite everyone we know to everything we do, encouraging people We're encouraging people to come into environments where they can experience the presence of Jesus. And that's our prayer. We don't want people to just go to church and uh, enjoy the music, which, you know, I'm thankful that that a lot of people do, but we, we really want you to encounter God. Like, we want you to encounter the very presence of the living God. I remember one of the first times that uh, God gave me an opportunity to be a bold witness for him. It was in 1989. Uh, Russia was just beginning to open up, and, uh, and, and change was happening in the world. The Berlin Wall was coming down, and I was a part of a, a group of Christian hockey players. You can be a Christian and be a hockey player. It's possible. I was a part of a, a hockey team that was traveling. We were touring through Sweden and Finland and Russia, playing hockey and sharing our faith. And in between the second and third period, we'd have a gospel presentation. And then during the day, we were doing street ministry and stuff like that. And so we took a bus between Finland and Russia, and it's literally called No Man's Land between Finland and Russia. And we get to the Russian border. I remember there were signs everywhere with, with a camera and a big X through the camera, like, don't take pictures. And the guy beside me was taking pictures of everything like he was working for National Geographic and I was sure he was going to get us killed. And um, German shepherd dogs boarded the bus and they were sniffing everybody out and all that stuff. There were armed gunmen walking up and down the bus and there were armed gunmen uh, up in these stands, you know, looking around everywhere. It It was pretty surreal. And we had boxes and boxes and boxes, hundreds and hundreds of Russian Bibles on board our bus. And our group leader had to go into customs and get everybody cleared and all that and tell them what we were doing. And he comes out with the the big thumbs up and he tells us that the the customs officer inside, after finding out who we were and after finding out that we had hundreds and hundreds of Russian Bibles, said to our group leader, and this is in 1989 when things are just starting to change, and he says to our group leader, I hope you are successful in what you've come to do. That That was, you know, amazing. So... So here's this group of hockey players standing on the steps of a museum in St. Petersburg, Russia, uh, being a, a hockey choir, which is pretty, pretty rough, and, and singing hymns and songs about Jesus in English, and, 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 and God was using that, and people would stop, and they would come in, and we were handing out these Bibles, and people would ask us what we were doing, and we were literally leading people to Jesus as fast as we could, handing out these Bibles, and that... that you know, forever wrecks me, right? I mean, you'll, you'll never be the same after you have an experience like that. But, but you don't have to go to Russia or Africa or Haiti because if you, if you know Jesus Christ, you are a missionary. If you're a follower of Jesus, we're missionaries. And God has given us mission fields like Dieppe, Capelet, Albert County. Where are you, Albert County? I knew I'd get a reaction from Mary Lynn and a few others. <laughs> Salisbury, Riverview, Moncton, Allack. We have people who drive every Sunday from Allack. Don't tell me the weather's bad and you can't get to church. We have people who come from Allack 
And, it, and, it, and no matter what the weather is, we have people who come from Rexton. Every other week they drive in from, from Rexton and then watch online. Uh, we have uh, uh, some of you, some of you, God will call you out of where you are and place you in a specific spot where he needs you to share the good news of Jesus. But most of us are already in that spot. Did you catch that? Some of you might get a unique word from God where God says, I need you to go here or to go there. But most of us, God already has you where he needs you, surrounded by people who are spiritually lost and need to know about Jesus. You're already in your mission field. So you don't have to pray, you know, God, do you want me to be a missionary? You are one. God, where do you want me to go? He's, he's, for a lot of us, he's got you right there. You're surrounded by people who need to know about Jesus. People who need a loving, caring, bold follower of Jesus to make a difference in their life. Luke tells us in Acts chapter one, 40 days after the crucifixion, that Jesus had been appearing, the resurrected Jesus had been appearing to, his, to the apostles, making sure that they were clear about his resurrection. He, he was really, really, really alive. It's not a vision. So he appeared to them several times. And he was preparing them for their ministry after the, his ascension. And Luke tells us they were on the Mount of Olives just outside of Jerusalem. The apostles are asking Jesus about the times and the dates of when he will uh, free Israel and restore their kingdom. And so they're asking Jesus, you know, when will this happen and when will that happen and that sort of things. And Jesus responds, and his response is the last recorded words we have of Jesus before he ascends into heaven. And in his response to the apostles, wondering about times and dates and all this stuff, he shifts the focus off of times and dates and events and how things will unfold and he puts the focus totally on the power of the Holy Spirit and our witness to people everywhere. So this is what Jesus says. In Acts chapter one, verses seven and eight, he replied, the Father alone has the authority to set those dates and times. They are not for you to know. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you will be my witnesses telling people about me everywhere, in Jerusalem, throughout Judea, in Albert County, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. People are more important than prophecy. What you do until Jesus returns is more important than when Jesus will return. And if, and if, if you think he's coming back really soon, like if you think it's imminent, like it could be any day now, if you think he's coming back every soon, well, we better get busy reaching every person that we can possibly reach for Jesus Christ. If we believe what we believe, then this is urgent. This is code red. Our urgency meter needs to go, you know, beep, beep, beep. It just needs to, you know, break practically. The disciples didn't have to wait long for the power to come. In the very next chapter, Acts chapter two, Luke tells us about the day of Pentecost when God did blow the roof off and the doors off and the windows off and he literally unleashed his Holy Spirit ushering us into a new, uh, a new era of spirit-filled power to accomplish all that God wants us to accomplish. So the book of Acts 
really could be called the book of bold witness. I mean, it's just one story after another of people being bold for Jesus Christ and how these first followers of Jesus, how they stood for their faith, how they boldly proclaimed Jesus Christ, how they boldly proclaimed the resurrection. The first seven chapters of the book of Acts are centered in Jerusalem. Uh, Chapters eight through 12 are in the area known as Samaria, and chapters 13 through 28 would cover Rome and what, what for them would have been at that time the ends of the earth. So you have what Jesus said in Jerusalem and in Samaria and then in to the ends of the, the earth for as far as they could travel at that time. And we're going to the ends of the earth today. The part of the, the book of Acts, we're catching up with Paul on one of his bold uh, missions trips. A group in Jerusalem have pledged to not eat or sleep or drink until they kill Paul. Like, the man is being hunted. Paul's nephew gets wind of this, and he goes to one of the commanders, and he tells the commander, hey, there's this group that, uh, you know, if Paul, if they catch Paul out in public where they can get at him, they're going to kill him. And so they sneak Paul out of Jerusalem in the night, and they ship him off to Caesarea to have his case heard by the governor, Felix. Now, Felix and his wife, Drusilla, are actually interested in Paul, and they Uh, Luke tells us that they keep going back to Paul and kind of asking more questions. They're seekers, and they're really curious about this. uh, Paul called it the way. He said, I follow the way, and they're really curious about this new new way, and so they keep visiting him in prison, learning more and more about about Jesus. Felix is eventually uh, succeeded by Festus, a Festus for the rest of us, okay? If you're keeping keeping this straight. Festus is new on the job, and uh, three days into his job, the Jewish leaders kind of pounce on him because he's new, and they say, hey, uh, we, you've got this guy named Paul in Caesarea, and we really need him in Jerusalem, but really what they wanted to do is they just wanted to, they just wanted to get Paul out on the road where they could sack the, the entourage and get their hands on Paul and kill him. So that's what they, that's what they were trying to do. Paul knows that these guys are gonna kill him, and so he says to uh, Festus, um, I want to appeal to Caesar. And that, that, that buys him some time, appealing to Caesar, because he's a Roman citizen. So follow, are you following all this? Bobblehead church, sort of. Felix got succeeded by Festus. And then Paul appeals to, to Caesar and says, you know, don't put me on the road because they're going to kill me. I want to I talk to, to the big guy. A few days after this, King Agrippa II, okay? It was, it was King Agrippa I who martyred James. This is earlier in Acts chapter 12 and who, who had Peter in prison. Remember the Sunday we talked about uh, the, the, the believers in the church praying for Peter and an angel comes in? This is yes. You remember? Does anybody remember what I preach on Sunday mornings? Does this not change your life? How can you forget this? Okay, so... This is King Agrippa did what my father did. They named their son after their father, right? My first name is Clinton, but don't tell anybody. and Don't call me Clinton. (laughs) So this is Agrippa II. Agrippa and his sister Bernice arrive in Caesarea to visit Festus. And Festus wants Agrippa's advice. Agrippa is the king of, of Judea. And Festus says to him, I don't know what to do. I've got this Roman citizen named Paul. I don't think he's done anything wrong. 
The Jews have gone bonkers to get their hands on this guy. And he, and, he, and he keeps talking about a dead man named Jesus who he insists is alive. And I have to send him to Caesar, but I don't even know what to tell, what to tell Caesar the charges are. Like, I just, Fess is like, I don't know what to do with this guy. And Agrippa says, let's, let's have a big, a big deal tomorrow and I'll hear him out. So the next day, uh, the Colosseum in Caesarea, I've been there, pretty cool. David Way, you've been there. The next day, that Colosseum fills full of people. And it's a huge military display with the who's who of government, military, Caesarea's most prominent people. And Festus calls, so the stadium's filled, right? Thousands of people. And Festus calls for Paul to be brought in right in front of this, this huge crowd. And the stadium goes quiet. And Festus reads the charge against Paul or whatever, you know, whatever the problem is because he doesn't really know what the charge is. He just explains the situation and then he hands it over to King Agrippa. So Agrippa's got Paul in his grippa. Did you remember that? If you don't remember anything else, okay. And Agrippa gives Paul the stadium. He says, Paul, go ahead. Uh, plead your case. Tell us your story. Now, this is a tremendous opportunity to share his faith. Now, you might not get a stadium. You might not have an opportunity to, to share your faith with thousands of people. You know, the place goes quiet. And someone says to you, tell us why you believe that, that this Jesus was dead, but, but he's not dead. He's alive. T help us understand that. You might not get a stadium. You, your stadium might just be a coffee with one person. It, it, it just... You never know what kind of an opportunity might, God might give you, but wherever God puts you to share your faith, that's your stadium. And he'll put you around people who need to hear why you believe in Jesus the way that you do. So let's pick that story up in Acts chapter 26. Now we're all the way to Acts 26. So here we are, we're in the Colosseum and it's packed. And Agrippa says to Paul, you may speak in your defense. So Paul, gesturing with his hand, started his defense. I am fortunate, King Agrippa, that you are the one hearing my defense today against all these accusations made by the Jewish leaders. For I know you are an expert on all Jewish customs and controversies. Now, please listen to me patiently pause there notice how respectful paul is with agrippa paul knows he knows just how lost spiritually lost and messed up agrippa really is agrippa is traveling with his sister bernice but she is more than just a traveling companion if you know what i mean and we're going to leave it at that and that's how messed up agrippa was and Paul, Paul's the guy who's been beaten and jailed and, and persecuted over and over and over for his faith. And yet he still treats Agrippa with such respect and dignity. It's, it's, it's admirable. We should, we should point it out. And then in the, the, the following verses, what Paul does next is it's way more than just one man's response to his faith in a coliseum full of people with his life on the line. Paul is inspired by the Holy Spirit. Paul is filled with the Holy Spirit. And Paul gives us a blueprint. We have to pay attention to this morning, a blueprint on how to share Jesus with passion, with urgency, 
and with boldness. And so Paul starts unpacking his story and what he does is he starts with Paul's death and Paul's resurrection and then he moves it to Jesus' death and Jesus' resurrection and then he tells them Jesus is the truth. He's the truth. Paul talks uh, to the Colosseum, to Agrippa and Festus about his life before Jesus. Not to glamorize the past or anything like that, but you know, they're not the good old days, but he wants Festus and Agrippa to, to, in the whole Colosseum to know that before he met Jesus, his life was dead. His life was messed up. He told them how opposed he was to even hearing the name of Jesus. It just made him mad and it, and it drove him nuts. Even hearing the name of the Nazarene and how he did all that he could to arrest those Jesus followers and to see those people imprisoned and persecuted for their faith. In fact, Paul says, you know what? If I was there and they were having a vote on whether or not to kill a follower of Jesus, Paul said, I voted yes every time. I voted them to death. That's how much I hate Hated them and I couldn't stand to hear the name of Jesus. Paul says, I chased them in their synagogues. He said, I traveled to foreign cities like I went hunting. I went on hunting trips to find these people, to root them out, and, and to make sure that they paid a price for following the name of Jesus. And then he says, and then, and then Festus, and then Agrippa, and then Colosseum, and then one day. And see, his story changes. He's like, and then, and then one day, his story turns to Jesus. And you, friends, we have to know when our story turns to Jesus. You have to be able to tell someone, this is who I was, this is what it was like. And then, and then one day, one day I met the Son of God. I met my Savior. I met Jesus. And you've got to be able to tell people, when did that happen? And why did you make that decision? And, and what, was, what was going on in your life when the lights came on that way. So let's pick it up again, the same story, but we're picking it up now in verse 12. Paul says, then one day, one day I was on such a mission, a hunting trip for Christians to Damascus. I was armed with the authority and commission of the leading priest. And about noon, your majesty, as I was on the road, a light from heaven brighter than the sun shone down on me and my companions. We all fell down, and I heard a voice saying to me in Aramaic, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? It is useless for you to fight against my will. Who are you, Lord, I asked. And the Lord replied, I am Jesus, the one, who you, the one you are persecuting. Now get to your feet, for I have appeared to you to appoint you as my servant and witness. You are to tell the world what you have seen and what I will show you in the future and I will rescue you from both your own people and the Gentiles. Yes, I am sending you to the Gentiles to open their eyes so they may turn from darkness to light and from the power of Satan to God. Then they will receive forgiveness for their sins and be given a place among God's people who are set apart by faith in me. In, in uh, verse 18, Verse 18, we're gonna, we're gonna put verse 18 back on the screen there. I do believe we're not gonna put, <laughs> we are not gonna put verse 18. Moving on. One of our core values is flexible, right? Blessed are the flexible, for they shall not be bent out of shape. Okay, well, y'all bring your Bibles to church anyhow, so I'm sure you have it. 
Verse 18, I gotta read it again then. This is Jesus speaking, and he's telling Paul about how he's gonna send him to be a witness. And Jesus says, I am sending you to the Gentiles to open their eyes so they may turn from darkness to light and from the power of Satan to God. Then they will receive forgiveness for their sins, be given a place among God's people who are set apart by faith in me. So in that verse, Jesus tells Paul why it's so important that we go. Why it's so important that we witness for him. Why it's so important that we we have to share our faith. We have to be a witness. And Jesus says, because people's eyes are closed. You remember what it was like before you knew Jesus. You don't know what you don't know when you don't know. Like when your eyes are closed, they're closed. And Jesus says to Paul, Paul, people's eyes are closed and you've got to go, you've got to go tell them. You've got to help them to understand. You've got to help open their eyes. Paul himself tells his own story of how his eyes were closed. And not everyone is going to have an over-the-top miraculous encounter like Paul. But like Festus and Agrippa and all the others in the Colosseum that day, God might take someone like you, someone like us, whose eyes have been opened, and God might give you a platform, even if it's a small one, one one-on-one with somebody who you know. God might give you a platform where we can shine a little light and then shine a little more light and just keep shining the light of Jesus and point people to the truth and help people to understand and treating people with respect and taking people on a journey and letting them see what God has done in our lives and living a Christ-like example. It's so important, even in the midst of persecution, even if it's one person standing against 10,000, you just keep standing on the truth of Jesus. When you go to work tomorrow and you're vastly outnumbered, you just keep standing on the truth of Jesus. When you're dreading going to a family reunion and you're vastly outnumbered, you just keep standing on the truth of Jesus because you never know. You never know who or where God might use you to open someone else's eyes to help them see who Jesus is. That's why the invitation here is a a key part of our vision at Moncton Weston. We're people inviting people. We just want to get that in the the fabric of our lives so so that it's not something you have to even think about. You just do it. It just becomes who you are. We're just people inviting people to experience and follow Jesus. Not that people have to come to Moncton Wesleyan on a Sunday morning to accept Jesus. That's not, people can accept Jesus anywhere. And I, and I hope they do. I hope God gives us stories of people knocking on your door saying, would you finally tell me about Jesus? You know, wouldn't it be great if, if people were calling you or texting you or saying, you, you've got you to help me understand this. You've got to tell me about this. You've got you've to lead me to Jesus. I, there's something different about you and I, and I want it in my own life. It can happen anywhere. But inviting people into environments where they can encounter the presence of Jesus, environments like this, there may be someone sitting here right now who is is experiencing the presence of Jesus like never before. And their eyes are being opened. And God is speaking to them. It's it's real. It's very, very powerful. Or places where, where people can be impacted by God's word. I mean, one of our prayers every Sunday is, Lord, just... 
Hide me behind this. Just let your word speak for itself. Let your word open people's eyes and people's hearts. I don't care if you ever remember Tim Guptill, some clown from Graham and Ann. I don't, I, don't, I don't care about that. It's the word of God that we want you to see and hear and in it to open hearts and minds and eyes like never before. And so inviting people into environments where they can experience the presence of Jesus. Having your eyes open to Jesus is the reason you exist. It's the reason why you are alive. It's the reason why you are born. If you go through life and you see everything else and your eyes are open to everything else, but you don't see Jesus, then you've missed it all. You've missed the whole point of life. If you clap again, I can drink. Jesus also tells us in verse 18 that you are not going to see on that screen. If I could find the button on that, I would turn that off right now. That we need to turn, Jesus tells Paul, the people's eyes are closed and that we need to turn from darkness to light. Cindy's got the power. We all know where the power is. And she's from Albert County. What is going on? Okay, I'm trying to preach here. Hello. Focus. Turning from darkness to light. A lot of our problems, okay, us, a lot of our problems would be fixed instantly. If we would just daily, by the minute, if we have to, turn from darkness to light. As followers of Jesus, if we would turn, make, make good decisions, godly decisions, a lot of our problems would be fixed instantly. You teach this to your kids. This is two-year-old stuff. Consequences, right and wrong. Don't do that. If you do that, this is what will happen. You don't have to be high and mighty about this as a follower of Jesus. You don't have to be Captain Holy Roller and scoff at your friend's sin. You don't have to wear a big S on your sweater like you are a sanctified man. But watch what Jesus says here, verse 18. You'll receive forgiveness and become my child, set apart by faith, in me the light okay walking in the light jesus is the light the light would look more attractive to everyone if more followers of jesus were actually walking in the light okay and and when when we blur those lines as jesus followers it makes following jesus confusing for everyone We make it harder for people to see the light. And I know it's not easy. And and Jesus said, he said in verse 18, it's the difference between being under the power of Satan and the power of God. Like Jesus acknowledges it, that it's it's hard. There's forces at work and, and it's not easy to stay in the light and to walk in the light. Now this is God's plan, not my plan. This is a mystery to me. 
It's Jesus' plan for followers of, of him to become more and more like him. And through his followers, others will see the light. They'll see Jesus, and they'll want to follow him too. We don't do good, our good deeds and, and public acts of following Jesus. We don't do it for spectacle or for points. We simply live lives of sacrifice, lives of surrender, lives of faith and love and peace and joy and patience and boldness like Jesus, and God will give you opportunities. You just live in the light. Live like Jesus, and God will give you opportunities to tell your story of amazing grace. I once was blind, but now I see. Paul keeps going. And he, in, his, in his speech here in the Colosseum, and he tells Agrippa that he's been everywhere, man. And he says, and he's, Paul says, I go here and I preach and I tell people to repent and sometimes they arrest me and sometimes they try to kill me. And then in verses 22 and 23, Paul says this. But God has protected me right up to this present time. Like God brought me here to this Colosseum for such a time as this, Paul says so that I can testify to the whole Colosseum, to everyone, from the least to the greatest. I teach nothing except what the prophets and Moses said would happen, that the Messiah, he points it all to Jesus, that the Messiah would suffer and be the first to rise from the dead and, then, and in this way announce God's light to Jews and Gentiles alike. And here's our main point this morning. Here's our main point from verse 23. If the resurrection of Jesus is true, then being bold for Jesus is the right thing. It's the right thing to do. It's the only thing to do. If it's true, like if you were there, true. Like if you, had a, you were sitting in a lawn chair, resurrection morning, and you saw the stone roll away, and you saw Jesus step out of that empty tomb fully alive. Like if it's true, if it's really, really true, then being bold for Jesus, sharing our faith with people who are spiritually lost for eternity is the right thing for us to do. Not arrogant, not being pushy, not being obnoxious, just being bold. But you're not gonna be the Apostle Paul. Okay, you're probably not gonna be the Apostle Paul, but you can be faithful. You can be obedient. You can be bold. You can be bolder than you've been. I bet we can all go up a notch or two notch. I bet we can all be bolder than we've been. You can keep following and keep obeying, staying in the light, going where God wants you to go. And don't get discouraged by the results. And your friends might want to stone you. Or like Festus thought of Paul, they might think you're stoned. Just keep shining your light for Jesus. And when God gives you opportunity, be bold. Be bold. Step into them with boldness. Don't be afraid. Be bold. Just keep shining your light. Don't be ashamed of the gospel. You aren't crazy. Jesus really did rise from the dead. And if Jesus is alive, then you have nothing to worry about. What, what do you do what do you do when you've been bold and you've poured your heart out and people still aren't coming to Jesus? Verse 29, Agrippa has just asked Paul, if Agrippa says to Paul, Paul, do you think you can persuade me to become a Christian so easily? 
That was his response. Look what Paul says in verse 29, whether quickly or not, I pray. I'm going to pray for you, whether quickly or not. I'm going to pray. Pray to God that both you and everyone here in this audience might become the same as I am, born again, changed, Paul says, except for these chains. He says, I'd like for you to be like me, except for, except for these stupid chains. Tell people that you're going to pray that they will eventually come to know Jesus. You're not going to argue somebody into heaven. We need bold prayers and bold faith to believe that our witness for Jesus will eventually lead others to him. In response this morning, Farron and the team are going to lead us in a great song called I Surrender. And I, my prayer for us all is that, that God would stir something here this morning in us that we would leave here going out into our mission field with a fresh boldness, with, with renewed courage, faith, to tell people, this is who I was. This is what happened to me. This is, this is what Jesus did. This is what he's doing in my life. This is who Jesus is. Let's pray together. Lord, I thank you again this morning for Moncton Wesleyan Church. And I love these people. Lord, you know that I do. I love being their pastor. And God, I pray that you would help us to never be complacent in our faith and never to think that, well, it'll just happen. Lord, I pray that you would help each one of us to take responsibility for shining the light that is within us and doing whatever whatever we can do to help others see how great our God is, how awesome you are, and how much you love every person. God, send us out of here this morning with fresh fire, fresh faith, fresh courage, fresh boldness. I pray and ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's all stand together.